Hi there, and welcome to In My Words, Jumo's podcast series that brings the experiences of real patients directly to you. At Jumo, we provide resources for children and families to understand, manage, and own their health. Sign up for free at jumohealth.com. In my words, having a strong support network means when you are struggling, you're able to get support quickly. Hi listeners, Alyssa here and welcome to our lung cancer mini-series. Today we'll be talking about relationships and support networks. Joining us once again is Lung Foundation Australia's lung cancer support nurse, Nicole Parkinson. We also welcome to the podcast, Michael Eitel, who you just heard at the start of this episode. My name is Michael Eitel. I'm 46 years old. I'm married with two beautiful children. I love being outdoors with my family. I also like driving around and hiking around, but just enjoying life in general. We spoke with Nicole and Michael about how lung cancer can impact family relationships and friendships, how to talk about cancer, and what a strong support network looks like. To start things off, Michael told us about his diagnosis with lung cancer. I was diagnosed with lung cancer in 2017, in June. I was 43 at the time, and I was living in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, and I still do. It was pain in Michael's neck that initially led him to see his doctor. After investigation, they found a tumour in his neck, but it wasn't diagnosed straight away as lung cancer. May 2017 is when I had the sore neck, and June, the day before my birthday, was 5th of June. So, yeah, my birthday's the 6th of June. That's when I knew I had uh, lung cancer, and then we had to determine mutations, yeah. Being diagnosed with lung cancer can come as a shock, and it can be hard to share the news with family and friends. We asked Nicole what might be the hardest thing for people when it comes to sharing their diagnosis with family and friends. A lot of people living with lung cancer are afraid to tell their family and friends about their lung cancer diagnosis for fear of upsetting and and hurting them, particularly in the beginning when there is so much uncertainty surrounding their diagnosis. Well, it's not you just know straight away. There's a part where you're in a grey zone where you're trying to determine exactly what you have, where is it, and what staging you're in, and do you have any mutations in your lung cancer? Because that determines the treatment. And until you know that information, you know you have lung cancer, but you have nothing else to be able to share with your family. And I think that's a really difficult situation for us. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. For Michael, working out how to share his diagnosis with his children, not yet knowing the extent of his lung cancer, was the biggest challenge when it came to sharing the news with his family. At the end, well, you know, I was upfront and honest. I told them that I did have a, a lung cancer growth in my lung. And we were working out how to treat that. What made his diagnosis and sharing the news with his family even more difficult for Michael was that he and his daughters had already lived through trauma in their lives. It was very hard for me to explain to them because, and some can relate to this, some people have already gone through a level of trauma in their life and now they're going through their own. For me, particularly, I'd already lost my mother when I was young, same age as my daughter when my daughters lost their mum. We were very young, under 10. My daughters were 18 months old and uh, three years old and they lost their mother within three days through a virus. So suddenly my kids are reliving this trauma of not only losing their mother but now going to lose their father. So my relationship with them through their experience got impacted deeply that news. 
cancer often changes roles within the family. You may have been the the provider or the head of the family and now you are actually being cared for by family members. So this role for a person living with lung cancer can be very hard to adjust to and very challenging for the whole family. Family members can also become very overprotective and sometimes controlling for people living with lung cancer. And, and this can cause some tension in communications and family relationships as well. Lung cancer can also affect a person's relationships with their friends. Friendships can also change following a lung cancer diagnosis. Many people have little experience with life-threatening illnesses. It can be scary for them and they, they may not know what to say to people living with lung cancer and so they start to withdraw from those social interactions with them. It can also be frightening for friends that you do have cancer. People can also find that friends can change in their attitudes towards them as well. Michael told us how his diagnosis impacted his relationship with his wife. We're only newly married, three years married. And for me anyway, upon diagnosis, you realise you have a relationship but you hoped and dreamed are taken away from you. So what is this relationship going to become now that you're very unwell? The first year was hard for Michael and his family. They went through a period of mourning. Our relationship deteriorated over a year. And it was almost like we were mourning that I'd already died. She was mourning that I died and lost my life and my future. And I was mourning that, you know, I, I wasn't going to get through this. Michael was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and the uncertainty of how long he would survive and imagining the worst affected his relationships. You build the worst case scenario in your head. Those sort of things impact your relationship deeply with everyone. You know, you, you realise there are many things in life you wish you could have done in that moment. I remember the moment I got told I just had my whole life flash behind me. And I just went, I thought I was going to live my life once my girls were grown up. Now that's a good one. You know? What am I going to do? My wife, you know, I promised her we'd do these things in life. And, and you know, they're, they're promises you don't, you don't think that cancer's going to take away from you. So that first 12 months was very, very hard. Today, three and a half years after his diagnosis with lung cancer, Michael's relationships with his wife and daughters are healthier and stronger from having worked through the hardship together. My wife and I have a, a deeper relationship now. We, we've gone through the mourning phase and we've understood through our advocacy work um, how much hope there is for us. My girls get involved with supporting me in my advocacy work and they, they see how much I love doing and they love being a part of it. So we, we, we focus on how beautiful the, the sunshine is rather than focusing when it's going to rain. And we take shelter and support each other in those times. Michael is passionate about empowering people living with lung cancer to have the courage to open up and talk about their cancer with loved ones, friends and new acquaintances. He is open about his treatment and side effects, encourages people to ask him questions and shares his story with a smile. When it comes to talking about cancer, he offered this advice. There are different types of people that want different types of information. What I can say, like anything, You've got to be prepared and script yourself a little, you know. There are certain questions that people are always going to ask you that you know they're going to ask you. They're going to ask you how you're going, how's your treatment going. They'll say, wow, aren't you lucky? Technology's gone a long way. Isn't it great? I know because they're the three, they're the main questions I always get asked by the same people at different times in the morning. I think what you've got to remember is that 
people out there don't have a lot of understanding of the topic of lung cancer. So you have to be very gentle when you're talking with your friends and family. Michael looks at each interaction as an opportunity to educate people. You have to be mindful that you have an opportunity to educate them in what you have. It gets easier with time. You evolve with that. I, I struggled at first. I just wasn't sure how, how to say it without putting a big stake between your eyes because that's how I was feeling. But now I'm a bit more polished and you'll be the same. You'll just you'll trip over a few times, but then what you'll realise is your knowledge base through your own mistakes and through hard conversations with your oncologist and the people around you give you this information that no one else has. And I think it's great if you can share that, and I encourage you to share that information. When we asked how people can better communicate with a family member or a friend, Nicole said the following. Advice that I would give people living with lung cancer who want to better communicate with a family member or friend is really to keep channels of communication open. Be open and honest with family members, particularly about how you're feeling, and let them know how they can best support you and and provide that support. What if you're feeling frustrated with your family? It's important to let them know, obviously in a gentle way, and making sure you you find some quiet time to sit down in a, a nice environment to have these discussions. Remembering that family members aren't mind readers and are most likely experiencing their own emotions and working out their own ways of coping with your diagnosis as well. Giving your friends time to adjust to your news is important. After being diagnosed with lung cancer, a person's social life may change. People can withdraw socially due to physical as well as mental health reasons. People can stop doing their everyday activities such as group exercise classes or meeting friends for lunch and dinner, even continuing their favourite hobbies due to symptoms, possibly of fatigue, breathlessness or pain. A lot of people I speak to report that it's just easier to stay at home. What about when someone has feelings of anger, sadness, guilt or even depression? How might this affect one's social life? These feelings can result in people not wanting to talk and socialise with family and friends. So they stop going out for social activities and organising catch-ups with friends and family. What can someone do if their physical symptoms are stopping them from doing their everyday activities? If somebody feels that they're withdrawing socially due to physical symptoms of lung cancer, it's really important that they reach out to their healthcare team for that support to help self-manage their side effects. And hopefully that will help with them being able to continue to be socially active with their friends and family. And also their healthcare team will be able to help with those allied health referrals to support, whether it be to say a physiotherapist or an occupational therapist who can really help provide that support of their physical symptoms as well. Know that it is okay to change your social plans with family and friends to suit your own needs. Loved ones want to be accommodating and make those social catch-ups as comfortable for the person living with lung cancer as possible. It's okay to ask to change a date or a time for a catch-up or change where you're having that catch-up as well. A lot of people report that it's it's just easier to have those catch-ups at home at times and, and that's okay. Changing plans and social routine, is it's really not being rude at all. When it comes to social support, Michael has quite an extensive network. I break them up into multiple groups, my support network. I have my immediate family, friends that are close to me locally, including Fortunate for me, my Lung Foundation Australia, 
and my oncology team. So they're, they're part of my family group because the level of information that we talk about are quite personal and deep and meaningful to me and my friends from my rugby club. But most importantly, what I did is made a decision is to connect with people around the world and particularly in the um, in the social groups for your mutations. So for me, um, I was able to plug into the EGFR group locally in Brisbane, Queensland and Australia, and also in the world through Longevity, which is the world hope for lung cancer survivors. I would not have been able to do that if I was not diagnosed with this and if I didn't reach out to people and try and socialise with those people. Being around people the same condition um, helps you um, better understand yourself. I think. We asked Nicole, what are some of the benefits of having a strong support network? Having a, a strong social network can really help a person living with lung cancer. It provides a broader group of people for them to access for, for different types of support, whether it be physical, emotional, practical or social support. People may find one friend or family member more comfortable to talk to about their feelings and emotions, whereas another family or friend may be there for you from a more physical support and symptom relief support, or even having that practical support around the home, such as helping with cooking meals or providing transport to appointments and assisting with cleaning. Michael shared with us some of the ways in which his family and friends have supported him. They've at times supported me financially in my initial stage, you know, by holding fundraising events to help me while I couldn't work, uh, while I was still trying to work out where I was in that first year. You know, that's that's the toughest part, that, that first year. And I know I, I mentioned it earlier, and the support group is so important for that part of it because um, you're so vulnerable. You're not familiar with his environment, so you need to be able to plug into people that can really support you well. And, and surprisingly, there are people from places you wouldn't have expected. You know, I, I had my whole rugby club create a yearly event for me to help me so that I can, first of all, get through the first part of my life and secondly, to look after my girls and finally to be able to travel the world to see where technology is going. I mean, I'm so fortunate. I didn't expect that or think that when I first got diagnosed when I was going through that first 12 months that these social groups were going to be this to me. I just walked each step plugging into the people that wanted to help me or were there for me and took the time to, you know, really um, engage with them. People living with lung cancer can also tap into support available through their healthcare network. These include support services offered through your treating team, whether it be hospital nursing staff, allied health support, such as dietitians, physios, occupational therapists, psychologists and social workers. Your GP is also a great source of support as well. A GP can provide people living with lung cancer with a GP mental health treatment plan for that mental health support, as well as a chronic disease GP management plan to access allied health support. That can be very beneficial. Lung Foundation Australia is also an excellent resource. Lung Foundation Australia is always there for patients and, and we do offer a number of support services and have resources available. I facilitate the Lung Cancer Telephone Support Nurse Service and my line is always open for people living with lung cancer and their family members to ring in and have that education and information and support surrounding their lung cancer diagnosis 
We also run lung cancer-specific telephone support groups several times per month. Cancer Council offers counselling and written resources to support people living with lung cancer. People with lung cancer, their families and carers can also reach out to services like Beyond Blue and Lifeline. It's just really important that people living with lung cancer are aware that these services are available and to reach out at at any stage throughout their lung cancer experience. Living with lung cancer can be difficult. Having a strong support network, whether it includes your family, friends, healthcare team, allied health professionals or support groups, can mean that you will have people you can count on who will support you and who will maybe even help you to see the strengths you have hidden within you. I think I've just learned that my mind is quite strong and I hope I can share that with people and I hope I can use that to pay that to someone else so that the next generation of lung cancer survivors after I'm well and truly gone and build from there, just like someone has built something for me to be able to sit here and talk to you guys about my journey um, would not be possible without someone doing something for them. And I just say just take the courage to um, whatever comes in front of you, just give it a go. Be yourself. You are stronger than you think. You just have to have the obstacle presented to you and you'll be surprised at what you can do. We thank Michael for his openness and for sharing his story with us and Nicole for joining us on the podcast to talk about how lung cancer can affect people's relationships, what a strong support network might look like and what support resources are available to people living with lung cancer. We extend our heartfelt thanks to all our guests for joining us on the Lung Cancer Podcast mini-series and for sharing their stories, experience and knowledge. From hearing about cancer treatments and side effects to learning about the impact lung cancer can have on one's life and the many support resources available for people living with lung cancer, we hope you have found value in what you have heard. Thank you for listening. This episode was created using excerpts from our interviews with Michael Eitel and Lung Foundation support nurse Nicole Parkinson. This episode has been kindly supported by Lung Foundation Australia and sponsored by Bristol Myers Squibb. Thanks for listening. Interested in hearing something special or want us to help share your story? Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time. The health information contained in this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and is not intended to replace discussions with a healthcare provider. In My Words is produced in New York City and distributed worldwide. In My Words, a Jumo production.